Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham and Pastor Brett Bowe take questions from you, the listener, and answer them from God's Holy Word. Welcome to Being Lutheran. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I have with me today... Pastor Jason Goodham. Good to see you again, Brett. Yes, you as well. It is good to be continuing to record today. Yeah, and we're doing something completely different. It's the yes. Monty Python, and now for something completely different All show. Right. Yeah, I love it. I'm excited about this. Good. Yeah, we are. we have had a number of podcasts already, podcast episodes, and... We actually have listeners. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. The, the evidence that we have at least three people listening to this show is that we have three email questions we've received, beinglutheranpodcast at gmail.com, mm-hmm. or fill out the contact form on the website at beinglutheran.com. Mm-hmm. But we've had uh, one question about uh, one of our shows, mm-hmm. and then a couple more general questions from people who have listened to us, and we wanted to take the time, since we just wrapped up the Second Commandment, mm-hmm. and before we started the Third Commandment, and kind of get in this, not let these listeners hang mm-hmm. uh, as they wait with bated breath for what we have to say. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, it, it's validation for you and me that people are, yeah. in fact, listening. Yes, and, and beyond our, our parents or our, yeah, our <laughs> Close spouse, wives. Yeah. Yes, no, my <laughs> wife doesn't listen to this. So. Oh, okay, yeah. I think my wife has heard the first couple, maybe. Yeah, she's behind. Hi, hi Teresa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, we, uh, I do want to say at the at the top of the show, and we'll we'll do a little bit more of a plug at the at the bottom of the show here. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. For those of you yes. who have invested your time in this. Uh, you know, we, we do really appreciate that you're listening. We're humbled that you're listening. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to echo, Brett and I are doing this not out of a sense of, you know, we want to be some sort of internet celebrities or mm-hmm. out of pride, uh, but we do think this information is valuable. We think it's mm-hmm. necessary to be thinking about and talking about. We want to share it with people. Uh, you know, people have requested, both you and I, mm-hmm. uh, to make this material available, and this is the best way we know how. Uh, and so to receive this feedback, to have this interaction mm-hmm. with people who are... Uh, Listening to us, this is this is what makes doing something like this worthwhile. Yes, and we encourage you to keep asking questions and keep thinking along with us as we dive into all the material that we've been walking through. It's been a joy. It's been good, and we pray that God blesses you through these podcasts too. Yeah, absolutely, and even hold our feet to the fire. You know, one mm-hmm. of the things I'm constantly teaching here at Faith and with my students. Uh, disagreement for me is just disagreement. Mm-hmm. So if you have disagreement, have something we didn't say clearly, bring it up and let's discuss it. Yep. Uh, I'm single-handedly maybe trying to obliterate this notion <laughs> that disagreement <laughs> is character evaluation. Sure. We don't want to get into that. And so uh, if you disagree right. with something or maybe one of us didn't communicate as mm-hmm. clearly as we could have, uh, let's clear those things up too. Right. But this interaction is valuable. Yeah, that's better than hiding behind or, or, or fuming about something and and having that affect our relationship with someone. Um, yeah, deal with it head on and let's do it respectfully and, and move forward, um, having both grown in that way. Yeah, so today we our first question, and as J- Jason mentioned, we have a few, three here that we'd like to deal with. And I think what we'll do is I'll, I'll read the question, and Jason, if you want to have... Uh, your response to that, and and we can have a conversation back and forth after that. So 
The first question comes from Ben in California, and uh, he says this. Um, in episode four, in the last few minutes of the podcast, you said that, yes, God leads and guides us, but one of the main forms of Gnosticism in the church today is when people claim to receive direct revelation from God. God told me that, uh, quote unquote. I can agree that God would never reveal direct revelation or anything that contradicts scripture, but does God never speak directly to Christians today? We see in scripture that God often spoke directly to people. Does he no longer do that? That's a great question, and it's uh, almost inevitably, as soon as you start talking about the confessions or, or confessional theology, this is one of the first things that comes up, mm-hmm. and it's really good to, to talk about. Uh, on the one hand, uh, you know, the experiential uh, independently moved nature of Christianity should be something we should acknowledge. Something as good and awesome and powerful as the gospel should produce emotions and experiences that maybe sometimes we can't even uh, explain. Mm -hmm. Uh, On the other hand, we do want to be very clear about the modes in which God communicates and what he does there. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, Ben really phrased the question uh, in an appropriate manner for us to kind of have this conversation about, uh, he he even addressed the first thing we do when we talk about these things, God speaking directly, you, you have three questions you ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, has God uh, spoken directly to individuals in the past? And it's happened in scripture, Ben brought it up, so we would acknowledge, yes, God has. Mm-hmm. Can God speak individually to people. He's not limited in some way. No, God can certainly speak individually. Uh, but the, the final question is what makes the conversation interesting mm-hmm. is how does God typically speak? Right. Uh, when he speaks, how is he normally doing it? And on the other hand with that, how does God speak to us in a way that we can be certain that it's him? Uh, and, and that's what we're looking at. Mm-hmm. God is typically speaking through his word as the Spirit illumines us to Mm -hmm. understand Scripture. This is uh, found all over in Scripture and confessed by uh, multiple different denominations with that. Uh, And so, you know, I think in the realm of Gnosticism, which Mm -hmm. is what the conversation started with in episode four, uh, what we really want to look at is this notion, well, I believe God is saying this to me, or I Mm -hmm. believe God is telling me to do this. Usually it comes down to... Where should I go? Who should I marry? Yep. What job should I do? You know, those types of things. Yep. So to, to really unpack that, uh, you know, a couple of variables we have to clear up. Oftentimes when we feel excited or feel a specific direction in an area, mm-hmm. uh, it's partly because we really want to do that and we're looking for validation. Now, that's not a bad thing always, uh, but, you know, in my experience as a pastor, you know, sometimes when someone says, I believe God is leading me to do this, mm-hmm. kind of cynically speaking, what they're really saying is, I really, really want to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and It's almost like Christian speak. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, re- it really is. And so that could be part of what we're looking at. And, and the other thing we want to clear up too is that in decisions that aren't spiritual in nature, like we talk about coming to faith or, mm-hmm. or believing God in, in decisions in the temporal world. Mm-hmm. God has given us freedom right. to make those decisions. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it can be paralyzing thinking, right. uh, well, what if I make this wrong decision about 
a job. Well, God will still provide for you. And should we be wise in making that decision and uh, good stewards of our resources and, and seek wise counsel and mm-hmm. even biblical counsel? We should, but God has given us the freedom to make that mm-hmm. decision. And so we want to you know, make sure we're acknowledging that too. Uh, and, and then you can finally address Ben's question. Mm-hmm. Uh, does God lead guide, speak directly to Christians when it comes to making these decisions. And I'll mm-hmm. kind of lob that your way first, Brett. <laughs> you know, I, I read a really good book about this one time that compared being, you know, this, this whole pressure to be in God's will, and he compared that to trying to be in this dot. Mm-hmm. And he felt that, I think sometimes what happens is in big life decisions, we try to feel like we need to be in God's will, you know, quote unquote, perfect will of God in that God told me that I should go to this college or, or do this job when I don't think that that's a wise thing to do. I think the way that God works in the scripture is he gives us wisdom and freedom mm-hmm. and in the freedom that we've been given in the gospel, um, in the wisdom that he's given us through his scripture and also through the counsel of friends and family around us that know us really well, we can get good guidance in that way instead of, you know, we shouldn't expect to go open our Bibles and flip and point, put our finger down and say, oh, it says so-and-so was born in Alexandria. Well, then I should have my child at the Alexandria Hospital. Or, you know, I mean, that's yeah. just a really random off-the-wall example. But, you know, the way that God, like you said, the way God typically speaks is through his word. He gives wisdom um, and I think that we need to take a big, deep breath and, and say, you know what? Um, God does lead in the sense of he gives us desires and passions, and he has given us, he's shaped us and gifted us in different ways. But like one time I had somebody come to me and say, God told me that you need to go to Africa. And, and at the time, that was not on my radar. And even today... I don't feel compelled to go to Africa. <laughs> but so when you when somebody phrases it that way, it it almost makes God out to be a liar in a sense because they said God told me to do that. I think like what you said, somebody usually has a strong desire and they equate it with God speaking. Well, and and that's you know what we need to be careful of in this. And and on the one hand, we want to be gentle. We don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, destroy someone's faith or, or, or poo-poo experience. But when we talk about God speaking directly to us, communicating directly to us, the best we can do is to say, I don't know. Right. If it's outside of scripture, we can never confirm it. And so you look at, you know, talking about a spiritual decision. Well, you know, I want to go on a missions trip to mm-hmm. Africa. That's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the first way we look at it, well, is this God's will? Is Well, is it contrary to scripture? Mm-hmm. Well, we know God wants us to preach the word to, you know, go to all nations. And so mm-hmm. God wants us to evangelize. So it's not contrary to God's script. You sure. know, it's as pastors, there's the, the, the kind of the, the stereotypical, God wants us to live together before we're married. Yeah. We feel that. No, he doesn't. That's against his will. <laughs> uh, so we know God's not telling you that, but okay. This missions trip to Africa, I've mm-hmm. been really praying about this pastor. Well, we know missions trips in and of themselves aren't bad. Okay, so that's Mm -hmm. the first thing. The second thing we look at in that is vocation. Mm -hmm. In you doing this, are you denying one of your vocations already? And Mm -hmm. so that's a bigger thing. Me as a pastor with a call 
to a local congregation and with a wife and five children at home, mm-hmm. God is not going to call me tomorrow to uproot myself, go by myself and be a missionary in Africa. That would be a denying of the places he's already put me in my mm-hmm. vocations. And so, uh, the look at your vocations. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be shirking responsibility by doing this thing that you want to do or are considering right. doing? If you are, then mm-hmm. you need to be reevaluating. Sure. And, and then the final thing, especially when it comes to ministry, mm-hmm. now this doesn't apply to every situation, but when it comes to ministry, the final thing we talk about is uh, are you willing to be trained? Mm-hmm. And so uh, you and I have both been through seminary. Mm -hmm. Brian's been through seminary, so we know this. I've had people who say, I believe God's calling me to be a pastor. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you ought to go to seminary. Oh, no, I just think I want to be in the congregation and be with the people. Then it's not God calling you, or you are not listening to what is going on because we, in our denomination, just about every denomination, AFLC, whatever it is, requires pastors to be trained mm-hmm. at the skill, at the vocation of pastoring. And the same goes for missions and, and everything like that. If you are unwilling to do the work of training yourself to do whatever you believe mm-hmm. God is calling you to, then you know that God's not actually calling you to right. it. And what you expressed is very different from the Gnosticism of spirit or a secret knowledge yep. of we feel that we have a secret message from God that yeah no and, and and that's the thing is we go as Christians we train ourselves to go where there's certainty and assurance mm-hmm. and so if you know we're, we're thinking about a job change or a big move or a life decision uh, it's entirely appropriate to pray for wisdom to pray uh, for for guidance, uh, and uh, to look at the Bible and make a good decision, you know, mm-hmm. uh, it's always making pros and cons. It, it seems super mm-hmm. uh, unspiritual, but when I was uh, coming out of seminary and interviewing at different churches, right. and these churches would contact me, my wife and I would make, you know, a pro and a yep. con list at every we did place, that too. Uh, just to see, you know, well, put it on paper and consider. One time we did that, and the pros and cons were exactly the same amount for both places. And, oh, no, that didn't work out so great. Then but, you get your, your super spiritual pastor coin. <laughs> we almost literally flipped a coin yeah. at that point. It's, yeah. you know, decision-making isn't mm-hmm. uh, an easy thing all the time. Right. But, but the principle behind this is mm-hmm. to not be paralyzed by the decision-making yep. process because we would not be so arrogant to think that our plans would somehow thwart God's will. Mm-hmm. And you put it in that perspective, which yep. is really the playing field you're on when you're talking about this, uh, you know, God directing us, wanting to be in his will, God communicating mm-hmm. to us. Uh, boy, that sounds pretty arrogant and haughty when you, mm-hmm. when you talk about it at that level. Sure. And so, well, you know, let's wrap it up with Ben here and mm-hmm. say, well, does God speak and direct people individually right now? You know, 2,000 years after the close of scripture, the best we can say is maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, does he speak through his word and lead and guide through the power of his spirit in his word? Yes. Absolutely. And so the whole point of a study on confessions, on uh, your faith, is to know what you believe mm-hmm. and why you believe it, and then you put that into practice mm-hmm. on a daily basis as a Christian. Right, serving in your vocations and callings that God has led you to. Yep. And well, and God has even sometimes placed you in right. w- without your choice. Um, half of our vocations are that. Mm-hmm. I am a son to parents I did not choose. Yep. I am a brother to sisters I did not choose. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I am a father to children that 
I helped create, mm-hmm. but I did not choose. I didn't fill out a personality profile, yeah, right. you know, before that. So uh, God puts us places based on His wisdom, mm-hmm. and when it comes down to it, you have the Almighty, uh, powerful, perfect, holy God of the universe deciding things, and you have us. Mm-hmm. You know, w- w- put it in that perspective. Who are you going to trust? Mm-hmm. You know, that's reorienting yourselves to trust that God knows what He's doing. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, let's move on to the next question here before we're out of time today. And this comes from John in Nevada. Was that right? I think it's Nevada, yeah. No, is it Nevada or Nevada? Well, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> if you're in Iowa and you're talking about a small town, it's Nevada. Nevada. If you're a normal person, there it's Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> I, right. I don't think we have any Iowa listeners yet. And if we Maybe. did, we don't have any more Iowa listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, John, for listening. Thanks, Ben, too, from California for listening. And uh, this is John from Nevada, and he writes this. "Um, I have come to believe that God is omnipresent. And while visiting another Lutheran church, I was asked if I believe in his quote-unquote real presence, to which I replied all the time. But this question really got me thinking. Uh, since, Since God is everywhere all the time and there is no place God is not, how can we limit him to the bread and wine in the Lord's Supper? Is he not there prior to setting this bread and wine apart? Um, I th- yeah, we'll let... That, there we go. That's Good enough, the end yeah. Of the question. Yep. Uh, this question really hits home for me. This was my last big puzzle on my journey to becoming a Lutheran. This is something I was actually wrestling with in seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the need for extra presence of Jesus Christ when he's already with us? Mm-hmm. Uh, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I mm-hmm. who live, but Christ who lives in me. Right. In the life I live by faith, or in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christ has promised to be with us. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. We right. know the Holy Spirit is with us. Christ says, where two or three are gathered mm-hmm. in my name, there I am in the midst of them, yeah. right? Uh, beyond all that, we have the, the passage in Scripture that teach that God is always sustaining creation by the work of his hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I think of all of the Lutheran things, the real presence of Christ mm-hmm. in communion is the most puzzling to Christians who aren't Lutheran. Um, to answer uh, John's question specifically, Lutherans aren't limiting mm-hmm. the presence of Christ to the bread and wine in communion. Uh It's a different kind of presence, and uh, this is what we would confess to be a mystery. Mm -hmm. We don't know how Christ is present. We, in fact, invented a term Mm -hmm. (laughs) to describe it. It's the sacramental union uh, where we confess that Christ is in, with, and under Mm -hmm. the bread and wine, the elements of communion. The reason why we confess it has nothing to do with a lack of his presence anywhere else. Mm -hmm. It has to do with the words of Christ in the words of institution, where Christ to his disciples on the night in which he betrayed, in which he was betrayed, said, "This is my bread, or this is my body, mm-hmm. this is my blood." Mm-hmm. He did not say this represents, right, or this is a symbol of. He said, "This is." Right. Is means is. Is yeah. means is all the time. Uh, now, what we need to do with that is we can't answer the how, but we can answer the why. Mm-hmm. Why is Christ's body and blood present in communion? And it is for the assurance of our salvation. Mm-hmm. It is for comfort. Because wherever the body and blood of Christ are, there is salvation. There is forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Because Christ is the location 
of our atonement, of our reconciliation with God, of our forgiveness. Mm-hmm. It was Christ's blood that was shed for us. It's Christ's body in our place uh, for the forgiveness of our sins. So uh, the way I teach this to my confirmation and Bible school students is to simply say this. Have you ever prayed a prayer of forgiveness? Have you ever confessed? You know, I think everyone listening say, yes, I've confessed sin. I've prayed for forgiveness. Okay. Awesome. Do we have a promise in Scripture mm-hmm. that says that we are forgiven if we confess our sins? Mm-hmm. John 1, 9, right? Uh, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, the second question I ask is, have you ever doubted upon confessing your sins that God forgave you? Do you still feel your sins? Do you still wonder, am I such a wicked sinner that God couldn't forgive me? And the answer is most of us would say, yes, I struggle with that all the time, especially when it comes to habitual sins. Mm-hmm. When we do something, confess sin, yeah, ask for forgiveness, again. go out the next day and do the exact same stupid thing again, it gets really hard to believe that God is still, still forgiving you, right? Well, here's why we have Holy Communion, is that you can know for certain that when you received the bread, the body of Christ, the wine, the blood of Christ in your mouth, that day, there is an event that mm-hmm. occurs outside of you mm-hmm. where God has promised that he has forgiven you. You can go and say, there, Sunday morning in church, I was forgiven. Mm-hmm. And it works just like this. Genesis 1, God says, let there be light. What mm-hmm. happens? There's light. Yeah, there's light. God says, you are forgiven. Mm-hmm. What happens? You're forgiven. And then he's given us something to cling to, to trust in that forgiveness, Mm -hmm. that event, that external nature to our faith. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we're not curved in in ourselves, Mm -hmm. you know, validating our faith by our feelings or by our experience, but that we're really Mm -hmm. uh, looking to something God has given, God has promised. Right. And I would add to that too, is that God's presence everywhere else, you know, the omnipresence of God I suppose you could consider that more in a law way, because in the sense of this, this is what I mean, like if you go out into nature and say, well, God is present here, well, what do you see in nature and what do you see out there? You see that um, we see sin and brokenness and we see, we, we know that God sees our sin, whereas the, the presence of Christ in the Lord's Supper is... I don't know if it's too much of a simplification there, but... um, It's a simplification. I could buy that to a certain extent. Really what we're dealing with when it comes to Holy Communion and the presence of God in general Mm -hmm. is an understanding of the creed, which we're coming to, Mm -hmm. is if you orient the creed around the three persons of the Trinity, and then you think about what each one of the three persons of the Trinity means for us, then you start to really understand God's presence. You have the first article of creation... God the Father is present Mm -hmm. to uphold and sustain creation. You have the second article of redemption. Mm -hmm. God the Son is present to forgive your sins, to reconcile you to the Father. Mm -hmm. And then you have the third article of sanctification. God the Spirit is present to sanctify you, Mm -hmm. to convict you of sins, to convince you that your sins are forgiven, give you assurance of salvation, so on and so forth. I think that's a good way of looking at Mm -hmm. it. You know, certainly there are natural law aspects to God's presence Mm -hmm. as creator. We just have to be careful. Uh, It's a law presence insofar that we're sinners. Right. But, uh, you know, I think looking at the creed can kind of help put that in context. Mm -hmm. Good, good.
Well, should we get to the third question yeah, here? Yeah, the third and... one I think is going to be the quickest one yeah, anyway. Right. But let's finish it up, and then we'll yeah, uh, wrap thing. things up. Yeah. All right. So the third question comes from John in Nebraska, right? Yep, John, John in Nebraska. John in Nebraska. Thanks for listening. He says this, I have a question for you that a few others have approached me with, and I believe John from Nebraska is a pastor. He says this, um, a few others have approached me with a question about Christ's descent into hell. I've taught it in confirmation class, but don't have a lot of resources on that topic. Is there a possibility of covering that in a podcast sometime? Yes. All right, that wraps it up. All, <laughs> All right, right for, yes, okay. cliffhanger. Uh, yeah. uh, specifically, yeah, this is one of the, the, the things that we know is coming up because right. Christ's descent into hell is taken up mm-hmm. uh, by one of the articles of the Formula of Concord, which yep. is the last two documents in the Book of Concord. Uh, and so we'll eventually get there. Right. Uh, but, so stick with us, John. Yeah, and, <laughs> but in, in reality, we've already touched on it a little yeah. bit with the Apostles' Creed. It's a part of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, mm-hmm. you know, and then who died, descended into hell, and rose. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to jump right into the Apostles' Creed without saying it from the beginning. Uh, but we confess it. This is an article mm-hmm. of our faith. Uh, what's so interesting about it is that if you read Luther on Christ's descent into hell, mm-hmm. his advice is to leave it alone. Sure. Just, uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, uh, we want to know, <laughs> but this is one of the great mysteries. Well, there's a couple things we can know about it for certain before it becomes, you know, crass speculation. Right. Uh, first of all, is Christ's descent into hell taught in Scripture? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, first Peter 3, three would be the location where we would find that. Uh, it, it's kind of vague mm-hmm. a little bit, but it's there. Christ went down and preached to the souls who are in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, second thing we know is that Christ's descent into hell is a part of his victory. It's right. a part of his exaltation. Because that, it that happened. was one part that was very helpful to me, especially thinking of the list of five things that are part of his um, humiliation mm-hmm. and then five things in the Apostles' Creed of his exaltation. Yep. And so the descent into hell is the first one of exaltation. So five and five, symmetrical for me, for some reason, that <laughs> that feels good or feels right. Yeah. You're, well, you're spatially oriented, yeah. so you want you know, symmetry and you want some, some feng shui with your confession. <laughs> huh? uh, <laughs> am this I even is, allowed to say that? This is taking a bad turn here. <laughs> no, but that was what we know. Christ's victory right. was completed on the cross, yes. or he could not have rightly said, it is finished. He could not rightly mm-hmm. have said, to tell us die. Yep. Everything after that is the victories already accomplished. Mm-hmm. The atonement has been made, yep. the curtains already ripped in two, so on and so forth. What did Christ do when he descended into hell? That speculation. Uh, you know, a traditional interpretation of the church is that he went to hell to announce his victory personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Uh, but this is part of knowing that Christ is our victor. Mm-hmm. And so where we receive comfort and instruction for as Christians, confessing this as an article of faith is we are confessing our Lord and Savior's victory over sin, death, and the devil. Mm-hmm. And then that can provide us with comfort. Yes, wonderful. Well, uh, John, we will uh, take that up sometime later, but that's good for now. And uh, listeners out there, I encourage you to continue listening. Thank you. We appreciate you. And also to send in your, your questions to beinglutheranpodcast at gmail.com. 
And uh, hopefully maybe we could do another show like this down the road as well. Yeah, as we accumulate questions and have opportunity, we'll take a break and, and answer them uh, as quickly and timely as we possibly can. I know also Brett or I will probably respond to your email personally anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brett, you said the the email already. Reminder, check out the actual website of the show being Lutheran.com. Mm-hmm. And a reminder that we're also on iTunes. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. And uh, one of the things that, you know, the three of us, Brett, Brian, and Jason always struggle with, how do we promote this show? How mm-hmm. do we kind of increase visibility? None of us are really marketers mm-hmm. or promoters. Well, one of the things you can do is first, if you enjoy the show and know someone else would enjoy it, word of mouth mm-hmm. is probably the best way to go. But for those of you who have subscribed on iTunes and get your all your podcasting goodness from iTunes, uh, rate and review us. Uh, if you give us ratings and give us reviews, it will elevate the visibility of the podcast so that more people can discover the content we're putting out here. Wonderful. Well, we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. These podcasts are available on iTunes, and if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a favorable rating. Join us next time when Pastor Brett and Pastor Jason continue their discussion on the Ten Commandments.